Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Kindest Regards. I just wanted to start this podcast episode off by saying thank you so much for all the incredible comments and messages and feedback that I've received since releasing the first episode. I've been super overwhelmed and just absolutely chuffed since releasing it. I'm Every time someone asks me about it or tells me that they loved it or they listened to it, on their run or at the gym or when they were having a coffee and they, you know, felt really inspired or motivated or just loved listening to the podcast. I just feel so warm inside every time I get one of those messages or comments. So thank you so much to everyone who reached out or even listen to the podcast. Um, You don't have to send me a message, but um, just so you know that every single one of those comments just fills my cup so much. I can't even tell you. So for this episode of the podcast, I'm going to take some time to dive into something that has been flooding my DMs and my TikTok messages and comments, etc. for ages. Um, Every time someone comments this on a TikTok video that I post, I tend to direct them to my Instagram messages just because it's sort of lengthy and hard to talk about in a comment that's like a hundred words. So I tend to end up messaging people over on Instagram to give them more detail, but it's just about my career journey, my progression, how I sort of got where I am now and sort of what it's like to be in my industry. And I know that a lot of people are really interested in that. So I'm just going to spend a little bit of time talking about that and the advice sort of will filter through along the way about sort of lessons that I've learned and why I am where I am. Then following that, I'm also going to talk about strengths profiling, which I know sounds a little bit weird, but I promise it will make so much sense after I talk about my career and why I do what I do and why knowing what your strengths are is so important and how it is actually measurable and you can test what your strengths are and how much that helped me and how valuable it's been in choosing my career path. And then finally, just to end with a little bit of fluff, I am going to talk about some of my best stationary purchases and where I buy all my stationery. I recently posted a video that had a lot of questions about where I get my stationery and sort of the best places to go and the things that I use. So stay tuned. Okay, guys, deep breath in and out before I start this one. This might be a little bit long winded, but I'm hoping that it will be valuable and helpful for some of you guys that are really interested in my career journey and why I do what I do and how I got here. So I guess it's best to start right at the beginning, which is sort of before I even entered the workforce at all, which I don't know, maybe would surprise some people, but people who know me and my family obviously know this about me, but I have always been very interested in crime prevention. Pretty much the plan all throughout high school was to become a police officer, uh, whether that be Um, New South Wales like state police or uh, for the Australian Federal Police that was always the plan Um, and it was pretty much only right when I graduated that I started to 
expand my options and look at what might actually be best for me and be an area or areas that I could actually use my skills. I think as much as I feel like I would have loved being a cop, I I would have found a great deal of purpose and value in that line of work. I felt like I'm it would have taken a really long time for me to be able to use sort of my more strategic skills and I feel like there were other areas that were potentially better suited for me at the time. I think there's always going to be a little part of me that sort of wonders what it would have been like to be a police officer and whether or not I would have been able to hack it. I was so close to pulling the trigger. I can't even tell you guys, like it was always the plan. Um, and it was sort of rogue when I decided not to do it. Um, I remember when I sort of made the decision, okay, I'm actually not going to enroll and I'm not going to go and train in Canberra or in Goulburn. But I think at that time I was pretty much set on AFP. So it would have been Canberra. Um, I think my parents, well, my mom particularly was quite happy about that because I wasn't going to Canberra for, you know, nine, 10 months, but, um, and I also wasn't going to be, you know, on the street. I think she always worried you know, being a frontline officer carries risk. So I think she was, you know, silently relieved when I decided that wasn't going to be my path. But I think what it came down to was my love for crime prevention and justice and all those things. I felt like I was able to channel that in a different area that I was able to use my skills. So As I said in the first episode, I study a Bachelor of Security Studies and Bachelor of Law. So if those who don't know what Security Studies is, I think we were sort of, um, my year group at uni was like the first or second cohort to actually go through with this degree. It's a lot of sort of emergency response, um, counterterrorism, that kind of thing. And that definitely focused, the, the people that tended to do that degree or enroll in that course tended to be very much aligned to roles in public service or policing, security, um, national security, those types of roles in those sorts of industries. So I definitely felt like I, you know, was studying the right thing. I added law a year into my degree because I found that a lot of people didn't know what security studies was. And I was a little bit anxious that when I went into the workforce, it wasn't going to be substantive enough. So I added a bachelor of law just to uh, back up the knowledge that I was learning. And obviously, you know, crime prevention is, you know, embedded with legislation. So it did cross over quite well to have a really good foundation of legal knowledge um, and all of the more overarching frame frameworks, legal frameworks that govern what I was studying. So that was very helpful. Um, so about a year and a half into my degree, I wanted to start getting into the workforce in some capacity. So I was sort of scouring for internships of some capacity. I managed, my sister actually helped me get this internship. Um, She knew someone who knew someone basically. And I was able to get sort of a sit down interview at Tabcorp. And that was where I started as a risk intern. Uh, So I was within the risk team. Um, I was doing that sort of three days, I believe three days a week. So I was, you know, working with the anti-money laundering team and the risk team, which is where I started to get 
a little bit of a dose of financial crime, what financial crime was, um, the acts that govern financial crime. And I think I started to find the content really interesting. I was also obviously getting a taste of what corporate life was like, what a nine to five was like. And it was also, you know, really good knowledge with my degree. I felt like there was a little bit of overlap. I was learning how to read legislation, things like that, um, which I found really valuable. Uh, I then after my internship was up, I think I was an intern for over a year. And then I was promoted to a financial crime risk officer, which was a full-time job. So at that point, uh, that was when I started doing full-time study, full-time work. Um, and so it began (laughs) that painful full-time work, full-time study life. Um, so I was dealing with, you know, caseloads and, um, I think this is probably a really good time to say that I don't feel like it's appropriate um, or it's sort of not appropriate to dive too deeply into what these organizations do to combat and prevent financial crime. It's not in the best interest of actually having good safeguards in place. Um, I'm sure a lot of people understand what preventing financial crime looks like and what that means, but um, that was my first role I guess that was full-time in preventing financial crime which I absolutely loved Um, and I met some great people I got a really good taste of what the industry does and what it was like but obviously it was my first proper full-time job in that industry so it was um I don't know. I don't know that I took it as something that I was going to stay in at the time. I'm not 100% sure that I felt that way. I don't remember having that feeling. I think I thought that it made a lot of sense at the time, but that I wasn't 100% sure it was going to be where I stayed. Um, However, then COVID hit, first round of COVID hit. um, And I remember that was when I started working from home. Um, but coming out of that lockdown was when I ended up moving into the banking sector. So I started my role as a senior financial crimes analyst at the Commonwealth Bank. Uh, and I loved my role there. Um, it was where I was really able to, I guess, get really valuable operational experience. I was able to really understand how financial crime is investigated on the ground. And that was absolutely key for me was if you're a, if you're wanting to move to a big four or you're wanting to move to the other side, it's absolutely essential in, you know, many areas that you have a really good understanding of the operational level, um, of financial crime and what it actually looks like to help prevent it. Um, you could be dealing with law enforcement requests. You could be uh, dealing with escalating customers. There's a whole uh, variety of things that I dealt with, but obviously the the main you know overarching umbrella goal is that you're preventing terrorism financing, money laundering, child sex exploitation, and trying to detect and deter other financial crime syndicates, which is basically the whole purpose of financial crime prevention. Um, 
And I loved that job. It was also where I got to dabble in training. I was training a lot of team members. Um, I was training a lot of other senior analysts um, for weeks at a time. It was where I felt like I was able to really hone in my love for, I guess, I wasn't, I was operational, but in the times that I was able to spend training was where I felt like I was really, you know, using my skills. I love to talk. Clearly I have a podcast, but, um, you know, I love to talk about what I do. I love to help others be good at what we do and, you know, explain best practice. And that was something that I was really loving as well as finding gaps and trying to enhance procedures. And I I loved finding what was wrong and helping try and fix it. And I was able to do a little bit of that in my role at CBA, but I was doing that role in the second wave of COVID when we had our lockdown again in 2021. Um, And I think I just had a little bit of burnout. I think I'd, you know, been doing that role for a while, um, nearly two years, and I was starting to feel like I'd gotten as much out of it as I felt like I was going to get. And I really was starting to have that insatiable urge to go client side. So in the sense of going to the consulting world where I'm able to deal with a bunch of different clients, I'm able to be face-to-face with clients and get a little bit more experience in a variety of different areas of financial crime um, rather than just the one. Um, And it was uh, gonna allow me to expand my knowledge faster and become a bit more of a subject matter expert in financial crime because I am getting that full 360, which is pretty much what I've been able to do now at um, KPMG. I'm a senior consultant in financial crime there and I absolutely love it. I can't even explain how much I love it. I love my team. I love the people that I get to work with. It's the, the workplace that you have is pretty much, you know, make or break for me based on the people that I work with. You know, you can absolutely love the content, but if you're not working with people that inspire you and, and help you grow, it can be really, uh, defeating. And I don't have that problem where I am now. I'm inspired daily by the people that I work with and, I couldn't speak more highly about, you know, their investment in professional development. And that's been amazing for me. I've felt like I've learned so much in the six months that I've been there and I continue to learn daily, which is exactly what I want at this point in my career while you are trying to become a subject matter expert in your field. So yeah. I guess that's sort of the 15 minute wrap of how I got where I got, not including sort of um, the studying aspect that accompanied that career progression. I think um, I found, and I know that a lot of other people that I know have found when they do try and enter the workforce after studying, um, I think a lot of companies and corporations and wherever you want to work, whether it's private or public sector, they really value um experience um in in these jobs and in these industries as well as just having a diploma or you know a uni degree i think it is really important where possible to get in and get in early even if it's an internship or you know however you get your foot in the door just try and you know network and get to know as many people as you can and follow up and follow up and follow up and i know it sounds silly but that's how you get 
your foot in the door and that's how you learn and then pretty much for me that was sort of the start was that internship was okay this is an industry I'm interested in let's let's do this and let's see where it takes me and you know five years later I've been in the corporate field for five years now and I'm only just turning 25 because I think I just wanted to to start early and I feel like the experience that I've gotten in these roles has been more valuable than any degree I could have ever had I'm not saying that my degree hasn't been you know a part of why I I get jobs and why of course like of course they want you to have you know academic experience where possible but I think something that's been really important is that uh work experience it's been you know a huge huge part of it and I couldn't do my job as well as I do if I didn't have that you know operational experience in other roles so I guess one huge piece of advice is try and find something you're passionate about and try and get your foot in the door as early as you can even if it's intern interning somewhere working part-time wherever you can um you know go for it and and go for it early if if you can of course So jumping into the next topic that I wanted to talk about today, which is strengths profiling. So if you have no idea what strengths profiling is, just a brief description is my just I've said this before, but my mom's a psychologist. So I grew up uh, taking tests about my strengths and being taught sort of how valuable it is to know what your strengths are and how to apply them. Uh, and one of the ones that she really recommended was strengthsprofile.com. Um, it's scientifically backed, so it's 100% legit. But basically what it does is it reveals your realized and unrealized strengths. And I'll explain what all of these are. But realized and unrealized strengths, as well as your learned behaviors and weaknesses, so that you're able to make decisions for a more conscious career that's more rewarding and how to focus on doing what you love and how to use those strengths. And I think at the time I just sort of thought like, oh, this is just something like I should do. Mom thinks it's valuable. Now I can't even explain how much everything that I've chosen to do makes sense. Um, my strengths have been something that I've looked back on so many times and it's it's been sort of a guiding force on how to make like authentic decisions, particularly around my career and the jobs that I choose to take and, you know, why something is a good fit for me. So to go into the detail, realize strengths basically are the strengths that you use and that you enjoy using. So they're the things that you already know that you're probably good at and you already know, you know, is important to you and you enjoy you know, flexing those muscles, basically. Unrealized strengths are strengths that you maybe don't use as often, but that you potentially should use more of and uh, continue to use in your roles, in your career, in your life. You know, it's something that you're good at and you should be aware that you're good at so that you can flex that muscle more. Then there's learned behaviors, which basically are things that you do well, but you might not enjoy it, but you do it well and it's a learned behavior. So it's something you've learned to be very good at. You're very good at it. It might be draining. So they recommend to use it wisely. Use when needed and make sure that you know you, you don't overuse those muscles basically. 
And then weaknesses, which are things that you might find more challenging, you don't particularly enjoy, and to use them less. I choose not to focus too much on the weaknesses because what you focus on grows. So I focus on my realized and unrealized strengths and my learned behaviors. I'm not even going to focus too much on weaknesses because I don't see the point. What's the value? Who cares? I'm, I'm not interested in necessarily improving the things that don't come naturally to me. You know, it's all good. I don't like doing things, certain things anyway. So I choose not to focus on those. I'm going to focus on what I do well and how to do more of it or things that, you know, I've learned to be good at, but that I should use wisely. So I'm happy to share what mine were just to sort of show how I've used them. So my top realized strength is mission, which is basically, oh, just keeping in mind, they give you a bunch of them, but they do categorize your top one um, based on the answers that you gave to the questions. Uh, My recommendation when you're doing these kinds of tests, I guess, tests is too harsh a word, these sorts of like quizzes is go with your gut, go with your instinct. Don't try and analyze and put logic into the questions because that's when you start to pick answers that you think you should pick rather than what's actually true and authentic. So go with your gut and your first thought when taking these kinds of quizzes. So my top realized strength is mission, which basically means that I need to be able to tie what I do to the greater good and a purpose bigger than myself which basically, you know, makes so much sense to me because I've always been driven by, you know, a career that was for the greater good and where every day I went to work and I could tie it back to purpose. And the purpose of what I do is to keep, you know, our community safe and to prevent financial crime. So that makes perfect sense to me in my role now and what I do, why I feel fulfilled in my career because it is my top realized strength. My top unrealized strength is resilience, which I thought was really interesting. I have had a blessed life 100%, but I do think when I reflect back, whenever I have been going through hard times, I do think I am quite resilient. I think I'm solution focused. So that does help me to push through. Um, and I think it's a way for me to combat my anxiety. You know, I've, I've learned to be resilient. I can't fall in a heap. I can't succumb to the anxiety. So I've learned to be resilient, I guess. And my top learned behavior is work ethic, which I thought was really interesting because my mom, hers was the exact same. Um, so just to touch on that a little bit more, as I said, your learned behavior is something that you've learned to be very good at, but it does drain you. So use it wisely. So work ethic is, you know, I need to make sure that I've always got good work-life balance. I have boundaries and I have boundaries with my work to make sure that I can always keep my cup full because I do have strong work ethic and it's something that I've learned to be good at rather than something that I'm naturally gifted with. (laughs) So I find that really interesting because it does make you think, okay, like make sure that you stop, you take breaks, you know, not to overexert yourself and how to avoid burnout basically is something that I need to do wisely. Um, All of these make so much sense to me and I felt like it was fascinating. They, if you are interested in, you know, measuring your strengths and taking a strengths test, I highly recommend strengthsprofile.com because it is backed and you know that you're doing something that's 100% legitimate and you know, backed up by science, but it's also so important to understand what you're good at, 
how to flex those muscles and how you can use that to potentially determine what path you want to go down in your career, how to use those strengths. Because, you know, let's face it, like what you do for a living, whether you like it or not, it takes up most of your waking hours during the week is doing that job. So I'm not saying every job you have is going to be utilizing your strengths 100%, but trying to find roles. And when you do have the luxury of choosing, okay, do I pivot here or do I stay put? making sure that those strengths are being used and that you're able to tap into the things that you're good at because at the end of the day, that's where you're going to feel most fulfilled and that's how you get longevity out of your career and you you know you feel like your cup is full. So knowing my strengths and feeling like I'm using them and picking jobs and careers and you know things that align with your strengths, I think is crucial. Okay, so I'm going to get into something a little lighter now. Um, If you follow me on TikTok, you'll know that recently I posted a video which basically showed some of the stationery that I use, like diaries, notebooks, planners, all that kind of stuff. Um, It didn't go into a ton of detail, I guess, about where I got things and how I use them, which I've learned is you know, not a good idea when you're on TikTok, you should always give the detail. Um, so instead of doing another video, I just thought I would talk about what I use and where I buy it in the podcast. So just some of the things that I use regularly and where I get everything. Um, first of all, I have that LV agenda, which is so cute. I love it. Um, I've had that for ages, but basically the inserts, obviously you use them up, um, and you can cater how you want to fill it. And obviously there's a million different types of these agendas that you can fill yourself. Um, so basically where I get all of the inserts, um, I recommend that if you don't know what I'm talking about, that maybe you do go watch the TikTok video. Um, it's one of my most recent ones, but basically I have the LV organizer and then inside, I have little dividers that I got from Kiki K and Kiki K also comes with all of the little stickers so that you can personalize each divider and it looks really neat and cute and I'm an aesthetic person so I'm more likely to use something and feel excited by using it if it looks pretty. I know that sounds so silly but I feel like we're all like that let's face it. So I did that I've got like actions like to action goals personal things that are urgent, planning. So if I have deadlines for content, if I have, um, you know, my work calendar is on my work laptop. So it's not really as focused on work, although I do have little post-its if I need to remember to do something that day. The first thing I open, it's there. Um, But this would be more like uni or personal errands or content deadlines, things like that. Um, That's what would be in this agenda book. So I have that. And then... Inside, I basically have little plastic sleeves that Ziploc almost. They're like little mini Ziploc bags, which is where I keep like post-it notes, note cards, thank you cards. I know this sounds so silly, but like I love writing. I love handwriting things. So I like giving people notes and cards. And sometimes I just feel like if I've got it on me and I know that I have to write like a note to someone or write a thank you card to someone, it's just like I can do it right then and there rather than doing it later and then I forget. So I have note cards in there. I have thank you cards. Um, And then I've also got personalized uh, note cards as well, which have my initials up the top, down the bottom, my name, and then Sydney, which is where I live. And then my 
our phone number, which obviously wasn't in the video because I don't want that to be public, but my phone number's on there as well. I get them from Papier, which is sort of a more expensive stationary company than like Kiki K. But I find if you're going to invest, I feel like one of the most like bougie adult things that you can possibly have is customized like stationary like note cards that you can send in the mail I don't know what it is but it just like gives me the warm and fuzzies when I get to write on it and like send it to someone it's just like I feel like a proper grown-up so I love those I've had them for ages I'm actually thinking of getting new ones because I've nearly run out but I think I'm gonna wait until I'm married because then my name changes so I it'll be like K-R-A instead of just K-R so I think I'm gonna wait because they are quite X-Y and I don't want to spend the money now if my name's gonna change in like seven months or something so I'm gonna wait then I have all the little inserts so like for the goals section there's uh, inserts you can get from Kiki K that like track your goals, which is awesome. They have like inserts for monthly, like monthly inserts, weekly inserts for the whole year. You can customize it the way that you want. I keep little post-its in there as well, like the little tiny ones, just in case I want to tab something specific. Then basically I have stamps in there as well in case I'm actually mailing something, which I love doing. I don't know what it is. I just love it. Then I'm one of those people that just... I like can't be trusted in Kmart or Kiki K or Target or because I just have a million notebooks. I don't know what it is. I collect them. I have a million notebooks. I have one like quite special notebook, uh, which basically I got from the White House gift store in D.C., um, which I love. And I'm sort of getting to the back end of that notebook. So I pretty much only use that for like special notes which I know sounds so silly but like I'm not going to write my grocery list on it if that makes sense so I'll wait for something like important that I can write on those note cards then also just going back to the little like Ziploc baggy things at the front the Ziploc inserts uh, I do have like some quotes in there that I love and like images that inspire me if I'm like lacking motivation I can get them out and like I don't know I'm a visual person, so I love to like look at things that inspire me and make me feel motivated. So I tend to keep those in there just in case I'm having a flat day. Uh, I can open that and and use it. So that's definitely my go-tos for sort of everyday stationery. I do have like the five-minute journal and some gratitude journals. I'm not going to lie. I don't use them every day. I probably don't even use them every week. I wish that I did. I'm just... I never got into the habit. I think it's really valuable. I think practicing gratitude is crucial and important for our well-being and our mental health, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. I haven't gotten into the habit of writing down what I'm grateful for on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, but I would say that I do have self-talk around what I'm grateful for. I do think it, but it is really a good habit to get into. And I do love the one from the collective. I think it's beautiful. It's super gorgeous to keep out, but obviously got a ride in it Catherine like what are you doing it doesn't just sit there <laughs> and I also have the five minute journal uh which you can get on Amazon so they're sort of the things I collect and use on a regular basis so if you're looking to update your stationary collection or your notebook collection I think that they're the places to go I think Kiki K and Papier have the best notebooks the best stationery and you can customize them with your initials your name you can make it cute and personalized to you which I love and I think will make you more likely to want to use it and pick it up so yeah they're my tips on how to elevate your stationery mm-hmm.
So that wraps up this episode of Kindest Regards. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening again. Please send me any messages, feedback, comments, things you want to hear on future podcasts. I absolutely love talking to you guys. Uh, You can chat to me on the Kindest Regards pod Instagram or over on Catherine Ray Rob on TikTok um, or my Instagram, Catherine Ray Robinson as well. Uh, I love talking to you guys. So I will speak to you soon. (laughs) 